The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Well, good morning. We are in Psalm chapter 40. Today, as we continue our series called Swells, Truth for Life's Ups and Downs, really appreciate Tim a couple of weeks ago walking us through Psalm 23 as we saw the Lord as our shepherd and Dave last week in Psalm 37 as we were reminded not to fret because of evildoers. A couple of announcements, just want to remind you in the midst of pandemic, we are still called to live on mission and so Impact 2020 is going to happen. It may not look like previous years have, but God has provided a way for us to share the gospel with our city, and we are going to take advantage of that. So July 20th through the 23rd, we'll offer a morning slot, 10 a.m., and evening slot, 7 p.m., for families to watch online. Parts of that show are going to be pre-recorded. Other parts are going to be live, and we will still use our high school students to pull this off. So each episode will have songs, skits, stories, name drawings, and prize giveaways. So parents, if you want to sign your kids up to take part in Impact, you can register at the hub of our website. You can print copies and pass them out uh, of invitations to your neighbors. Invite them to watch online as well. And then would ask you, if you would, to be in prayer as we have been praying toward what's next. Our elders will meet this Tuesday night and I would invite you to pray with us as we um, seek the Lord's wisdom and his guidance for our body in these days. Let's pray now before we look at Psalm 40. Well, God, we need you. We need you every hour. Apart from you, we can do nothing. You hold the words of eternal life. You're our hope. You are uh, that which anchors us in the storms of life. And God, we put our trust in you and in you alone. We don't trust in princes or horses or chariots, but our trust is in the name of our Lord. And so God, we wanna trust you and we wanna pray for wisdom. You tell us if we lack wisdom, we wanna ask you for that and you give liberally. So God, would you give us wisdom? Would you guide us, Father? And would we trust you and follow you? Give us unity, Father. Help us to be bold in sharing our faith in these hard days. God, pray for those in our body who are sick right now, that your hand of grace would be on them, that you would help them, that you would uphold them with your righteous right hand. And God, as we look in your word today, Father, we need instruction from you. We get instruction from all kinds of voices in all kinds of places these days. But give us instruction from you that we can be confident in and guide us, Father, because you are our help. You are our deliverer. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we were talking this week as a staff about Psalm 40, Dave Tate mentioned that it kind of reminded him of modern day music where there are these songs that as you sing along or as we sing along with the singer, we tend to put ourselves in the, the protagonist place. We're singing the song like it applies to us. I was listening to a podcast that explained how the Rolling Stones became famous through this song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, and thought about how we sing that, or, or my generation a little after saying how we were waiting on the world to change. 
Some of you were singing the Beatles and some were singing the Eagles. Some of you were singing Conway Twitty and we are praying for all of you if you grew up with that. See, in Psalm 40, this is a psalm where you can see the, the singer, David, is speaking about himself, but then there are a couple of verses in the middle where he's talking about this king who will come, Jesus, and then there's application for all of us today. And so as we read, we're going to see how rescue leads to blessing, and blessing leads to intimacy, and intimacy leads to witness, and witness leads to some difficulty, but that difficulty for us in Christ just leads to sanctification, and sanctification just leads to worship. So let's read Psalm 40 together. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog or the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell them, yet they are more than can be told. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I desire to do your will, O my God, your law is written within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed together who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You're my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. God has delivered David from the pit. He's delivered him from a helpless situation. In verse 1, he says, I waited patiently and you heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. And then in verse 2, he says this. He said, he put my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He was rescued from a situation where he didn't think he could be rescued from. 
He was saved out of something that seemed dire. He realized that he was very lost. And God saved him. So a few weeks ago, my family and I had a really nice treat. We got to go to the beach. There's a a photo of my family, my kids at the beach, some really kind friends have a a house in Port Aransas. They let us use it for a a few days. And and we're there and we're in the beach. This picture is of the first night. The next day, we're out in the waves and the waves are getting bigger. And my little guys wanted to get on boogie boards and ride. And so we would take them out and they're just having a blast on these boards and and I decided that I would, would kind of surf along with them, body surf along with them. And on, I have a hat and I have a pair of sunglasses. Now, I never spend a lot of money on sunglasses because I lose them. But a couple of years ago, I spent a lot of money on sunglasses. They were prescription sunglasses so I could see to tie the fishing knots. I had them where my eyes would actually work. And I have these sunglasses on and I'm going along with my guys and all of a sudden I realize they're gone. They are somewhere as the tide is rolling out in the Gulf of Mexico between me and the Yucatan Peninsula. And I realize they're gone and we're talking about it and Jeb, my nine-year-old, goes, well, Dad, we'll just find them. And I said, buddy, we're, we're not going to find them. And he goes, oh, no, we'll find them. And and we're walking up and we're right at the edge of the beach and I said, Jeb, we're not going to find them. And so... He just says, no, dad, like I'm, I'm not leaving until we find them. So I said, hey, buddy, would you look to our right? And we, we look. And I said, you can see about 10 miles that way. I said, now let's look to our left. And we looked. I said, you can see about 10 miles that way. Now let, let's look out at the, the gulf there. And when it gets past where we can't stand, the water just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And the waves are just rolling my glasses out into that deep water. So they're somewhere out there. We're not going to find them. And he goes, yeah, maybe we'll leave even if I don't find them. (laughs) And so we didn't find my glasses. And I explained to my son, Jeb, they were far more lost than he thought. And that is the situation with humanity really without Christ. David says, he inclined his ear, he heard me, he rescued me, he drew me up from the pit of destruction. See, that's our destiny without Jesus Christ, a pit of destruction and separation. He rescued me out of the miry bog or the mighty miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock and he made my steps secure. See, we're far more lost Then we imagine the work God did in David, a sinner, and the work he does in you and in me, sinners, is unimaginably kind, such that it ought to put a new song in our mouths, a song of praise that we can't be quiet about, a song of praise that causes people to see and fear the Lord. We collectively, as a people, are not very afraid to talk about things. We talk about all kinds of things. We give our opinions about all kinds of things. But if I'm honest, sometimes it seems like we're a little bit nervous about talking about Jesus and telling of the rescuing work that he has done in our lives. And indeed, he has rescued us if we're in Christ from a situation that was far more hopeless than we could ever understand. 
He's saved us. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the wages of our sin being death, but God showed us his love. And that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us and he rose from the dead to give life for all who believe. And this rescue has just led to blessing upon blessing and grace upon grace. David says, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's what happens when God puts a new song in our mouth and we begin to confess the greatness of Jesus. And then he says, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. And the man who makes the Lord his trust, then he says there's some things that he, he does not do. The blessed man who makes the Lord his trust doesn't turn to the proud or to those who go astray after a lie. Why? Because God has multiplied wondrous deeds toward us. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they're more than can be told. He says, I'm living this blessed life. And I can't even explain how great it is because of who God is and he has rescued me and then what he's done. Romans 8 says it this way, he who didn't spare his own son, will he not with him freely give us all things? So he gives us life and breath and everything else. I want you to think about the best friend you have. That person is a gift from God. The greatest moments that we've known in life are gifts from God. They are blessings from him, his deeds toward us and that he saves us mercifully and then he keeps us every day and grows us in Christ, matures us in Christ to this end that we are going to be with him forever presented spotless and blameless in Christ before God. Many are his wondrous deeds toward us. He says, I will proclaim them and tell of them, but they are more than can be told. They're more than can be told. See, this blessing he has then leads to intimacy. And we want to pay attention here because when we begin to think about intimacy in verses six through eight, here's the part of the song where David's singing and we're just singing along with him. And there's truth about this psalm that's about David. There's truth about Jesus. And then there's truth from or for the church. Let me just read verses six through eight. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired. See, the people of Israel, they would come and sacrifice over and over and over, but to whatever degree that was just ritual and that wasn't from their hearts, God didn't want that. Sacrifice and burnt offering you have not desired, but you've given me an open ear. God desired relationship. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Don't bring just your animals to me and not your hearts. Then I said, behold, I've come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I desire to do your will, oh my God. Your law is written within my heart. 
So David, when he says this, in the scroll of the book, it is written of me. He's saying, in your law, there are some words about me, the king that was going to come. You can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 17. I was talking about this, this text with one of our elders this week, and he said, man, this has got to be from Deuteronomy chapter 17, about verse 14 through 20. But here's what we, we need to understand before we look there. God is not interested in religious ritual. He's not interested in religious ritual. He's interested in collective, authentic worship. And we're gonna talk a bit more about collective, authentic worship, but that's what intimacy with God is. Let me be clear, authentic, spirit and truth, true worship of God, not worship of an experience. And I think this pandemic gives us the opportunity to wrestle with, do we worship God or do we worship experience with God? See, experience with God is kind of marked by this idea. We tend to think or look for a few things when we think about intimacy with God or encountering God. And when we think of an encounter with God in these ways, we are missing the mark. We tend to think of our expectations and our preferences. Is this meeting my expectations or the songs that we're singing? Is this what I prefer? We think about expectation and preference. We think about experience of euphoria. This made me feel really good. And then we think about expression of self. I get to express what I want, what I think. I get to express myself. But true worship in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, overflowing to the fruit of the Spirit, intimacy with God as a people together is more like this. Is my life characterized by self-denial? Is my life God-focused? Is my life other-centered, it's doing God's will written in our hearts. See, sacrifice and burnt offering you have not desired, but it's written of me. I've come to do your will. Your law is written on my heart. So there was a king that was going to come. David says, this is me. It's written in the scroll of me. Deuteronomy 17, 14. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you and you possess it and dwell in it and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as your king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. He shall not acquire many wives for himself lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of the kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the priest. So the king that's going to come in is going to love the law so much that he's going to write for himself a copy. And it's going to be approved by the Levitical priest. That means it's going to be perfect. It's going to be unmistakably correct. And it shall be 
with him and he shall read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of the law and these statutes and doing them so that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right or to the left but that he would continue long in his kingdom he and his children in Israel the king is going to love the law. And so David says, it was written of me in your scroll. I desire to do your will, O God. Your law is written in my heart. So it's talking about David, but this psalm is also talking about Jesus. It's also talking about Jesus. Psalm 48, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is written on my heart. Well, that turns up again in Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews, when he quotes this, he says, Jesus is speaking of himself. In in Hebrews 10, verse five, it says, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you've prepared for me in burnt offerings and sin offerings, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will. O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. He's quoting Psalm 48. David is quoting about this future king that's going to come, this king, Jesus, who's come to do the will of the Father because his anointing was evidence of his intimacy with God. It is talking about Jesus. It's talking about David, but it's also speaking of the church. See, Christ, after he offered himself once for all, the Holy Spirit bears witness to us, Hebrews 10, 15, as it says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and write them on their minds. And he says, I will remember their lawless deeds no more. That's the new covenant that God makes with us. I will put my law in their hearts. Jeremiah had spoken of this covenant and how it would come in Jeremiah 31, verse 33. Jeremiah says this. He says, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. There's going to be this intimacy with God that overflows from blessing because it's a people who know him, not who read the law and who struggle to do it and who fail over and over again. See, that's the story of a people who are not led by the spirit, but try to carry out the law in their flesh, but that's not our story. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ and we delight to do his will because his law is written on our hearts. Let me just ask you, do you delight to do his will? Do you delight to do his will? As I read this this week, I just had to stop and go before the Lord and think about all the ways I really don't delight to do his will. I don't put others in front of myself. I don't love my neighbor as myself. I don't make much of Jesus with my life. Oh God, make me a person who delights to do your will. 
And see, when we experience this deep intimacy with Jesus, that intimacy overflows into witness. That intimacy overflows into witness. Verse 9 of Psalm 40, I've told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I've not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. God, have I restrained my lips? Have you restrained your lips? Have we held back from speaking of the great love of Jesus? Have we held it back in our homes? Have we held it back in our workplaces? Have we held it back among our neighbors? He says, I haven't restrained my lips. I have told of it. Am I faithfully telling believers of the good work God is doing in my heart? I've told of the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. He says, I've not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. There's this great throng of people called Israel, many who are following God from their heart and many who are just making sacrifices and burnt offerings. And their heart's not been changed by the power of God. And David says, no, I'm going to be a faithful witness to what real and intimate and true worship looks like. He can't not do it because his life has been changed by the power of God and transformed people live transformed lives and they tell a transformed story. I was just talking with one of our guys who's volunteering this morning about this fact that Billy Graham said that somewhere between 70 and 80% of the church is just lost. They're showing up on Sunday morning, but they don't have a real and authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know what that number is, but I know I need to ask you today, have you just been making sacrifices and burnt offerings? Or do you really know? Are you really intimate with Jesus? Have you really been transformed by his power? Because I'll just tell you, if you cannot talk about him, there might be something wrong. See, if you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you can tell your story without talking about Jesus Christ, either you're not a really good storyteller or there might be something wrong. Is he really the God of your story? David says, I haven't hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I was reading this week about a group that is encouraging people just to connect with friends in the midst of this pandemic. And it can be one-on-one, it can be one-on-two, it can be socially distanced, it can be in a backyard or a front yard or a coffee shop. And really, it's just doing three things. It's hearing their story and then telling your story and then telling God's story. You want to learn your friend's story because being a friend, you want to know kind of where they're coming from, what their life has been about. You want to learn their story, tell your story, and in the midst of that, tell them God's story and invite them into it. Tell of his steadfast love and faithfulness. Tell of his salvation. See, when we do that, though, when we've been so intimate with Jesus, when he's changed our lives so much that we can't not talk about it, there's difficulty, and there's difficulty from within, and there's difficulty from without, and we're going we're gonna to go to verse 12, then come back to verse 11, and we're going to do that 
because of this four that begins verse 12. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails me. See, some of us, some of us are paralyzed by fear of our own sinfulness. We won't talk about what Jesus has done in us because we're not perfect. But God preserves us. There are fears that keep us from sharing the gospel that are within. My evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. See, David knows he's as lost as my sunglasses without God. He's far more lost than he could imagine without God. My iniquities are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. See, there's difficulty within, but then there's difficulty without. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who who would destroy me, who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled and put to shame who say to me, aha, aha, there are people who want to kill David. I think life's difficult when bulk pickup comes a day late for me, right? There are people who want to kill David. And he's crying out to God, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste to help me. Why? Because there are people who want to kill me. When I read this, I think maybe I do not have it as bad as I thought I did. He's got this hard and difficult life because of his faithfulness, because of his position. And we, in Christ, may face difficulties for evils have encompassed me. But difficulties for us just lead to sanctification because of our help and our deliverer. Let's look back at verse 11. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. He will not restrain his mercy from us. If we're in Christ, you just got to stop and be still in that moment. See, difficulty for us only will lead to sanctification because he will not restrain his mercy from us. That's why David won't restrain his lips, his mouth from speaking because God won't restrain his mercy from us. He will continue to be merciful to us. His mercies are new every morning. His compassions fail not. And that's really good news because we are great sinners and we need a great savior I need his mercy today if I'm going to walk in Christ and love people well and serve people well and be kind and forgiving to others and bear with others. And I'm going to need that mercy tomorrow. And guess what? That mercy is going to be there tomorrow. And that mercy is going to be there the next day and the next day and the next day. He will not restrain his mercy from us. And his steadfast love and faithfulness will ever preserve me. His steadfast love and faithfulness, not my trying harder, not my working harder, not my being better, but the steadfast love and faithfulness of God, the love of God that says no one, if my life is in his hands, no one can snatch me or you out of the Father's hand. His steadfast love and faithfulness 
will ever preserve us. So when the Bible says that he is able to keep us from stumbling, when the Bible says that he's able to sanctify us through and through or entirely, when the Bible says that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is able to present us to the Father as a radiant bride without spot or blemish, That means that the most difficult day on earth for me just leads to me being conformed to the image of Christ, that I might be crucified with him. See, Romans says it this way. Through him, we've obtained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So the grace that has saved you and me is the grace that will keep you and me. And that's really good news because our sins within and our enemies without, our enemies being our flesh, the world, the cosmic forces of evil in the heavenly places and the devil, they want to keep him from preserving us. See, we look at life and we think, what are people doing to try to harm me, to try to hurt me, to try to keep me from getting what I want, but there are far greater problems. There are people who would keep us from being conformed to the image of Christ. There are enemies and spiritual forces of evil that would keep us from living lives that look like Jesus, full of love and full of death to self and full of self-denial and full of hope and worship. We're prone to think our battles are of a flesh and blood nature, but the battle is to stay faithful to Jesus in the midst of hard days and God will not restrain his mercy from you and me in these days. God's steadfast love and faithfulness is going to preserve us in these days. See, this good news, this good news of rescue and this good news of blessing and this good news of intimacy and this good news of witness and even the good news that he is with us in our difficulty, upholding us by his righteous right hand, being our God and sanctifying us, this good news leads to worship. But may all who seek you be be glad in you. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. See, we, the people of God who are seeking God, our gladness won't be found in a circumstance. Our gladness won't be found when this pandemic is over and oh, how we want it to be over so we can rejoice with those who rejoice. Our gladness won't be found when all the circumstances in the world are how we want them to be. And by the way, that won't be till Jesus comes back. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you, in this moment, in this broken world. Let us be glad in you. Now, some days, that means we're sorrowful, but always rejoicing, like Paul said. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. And we can make that confession today. 
Great is the Lord. Where there's cultural brokenness, societal brokenness, people grabbing for power on the left and on the right, division, pandemic, great is the Lord. Then David says, as for me, I'm poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You're my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God, even in his worship, he's saying, God, hear my prayer. God, rescue me. God, answer me. Hear my prayer. I'm gonna continue to worship you. I'm gonna continue to trust you, but hear my prayer. I was listening a few nights ago to a panel discussion about how we got to where we are as a people and how do we get to where we're headed. And I was listening to an old African-American pastor speak and, and people were talking about the different ways we got to where we are. And when it came to be his turn, he said, there's only one thing I can think that got us to where we are. And that would be the grace of God. When you think about the wars our nation has been through, wars within, wars without, still struggles along the way, the only thing I can think of that got us to where we are is the amazing grace of God. And then he said, the only thing that's gonna get us to where we're headed is the grace of God in our lives. So this is who we worship. He's the only hope we have for help and deliverance. We don't trust in horses, we don't trust in princes, but we are those who seek God and so we are going to be glad in him. And we're gonna say continuously, great is the Lord. Because all of us, all of us because of our iniquities, we were stuck in a miry clay And in Christ, he set our feet upon the rocks. We were destined for a pit of destruction. If you're without Christ, I don't want to tell you this today, but it's the truth. You're destined for a pit of destruction without Jesus. But though we're poor and needy, the Lord, the God who made the world and everything in it, The Lord takes thought of us. He's our help and our deliverer. So we say today, God, do not delay. Hear our prayer. We ask you to end this pandemic, and in the midst of it, we ask you to make us a faithful people. We wait patiently for you, God. We pray, hear our cry, lift us out of the pit of destruction. Lift us out of this miry bog. Set our feet upon the rock of Jesus again and again and again with mercy that is new every day. God, we thank you for this new song you have put in our mouths, a song of praise to you, God. We pray that many would see and fear and put their trust in the Lord because it's a blessed people who trust in you, who don't turn to the proud or go astray after lies. God, you and Christ have multiplied your wondrous deeds and thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. So we're gonna tell of your works. We're not gonna restrain our lips, God, because you have not restrained your mercy. You're our only hope, Jesus. 
So we ask in this moment right now, God, that you would hear our prayer. God, I pray for some today who need to trust in you. They've trusted in all kinds of things and they've just made sacrifices and burnt offerings, but today they wanna put their trust in you. God, save them to the uttermost and keep them in Christ. And help us daily, God, with new mercy from you to trust in you and make our boast in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.